Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. You can visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. There you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions, and our blog as well. Today our guest is Ashley Peters. Ashley was born in the small town of Millington, Tennessee, which is just outside of Memphis. She spent much of her life in the South, as has her ancestors, and to her this is important because it shaped her personality in terms of tradition and hospitality. She says that no matter the city that she may live in, she will always be a small-town girl at heart. Ashley went to college at Fort Wayne, Indiana, at the University of St. Francis, and there, searching for her focus, fell into printmaking illustration, which ignited a fire. Her theme varied at the time, but kept circling back, and now she knows why, and this is what her images display. Ashley currently lives in San Diego, California, with her husband Danny, whom she met in high school. We live in the heart of it all with our dog, Bentley. Well, good morning, Ashley. Welcome to An Artist Speaks. Hi there. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's our pleasure. Well, let's start off this morning, Ashley, by letting you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Well, as you said, I was born in the South, and my family has the Southern hospitality. Uh, Growing up, my grandparents had a farm, so I learned a lot about the principles of hard work and, you know, the values of that there. As a kid, you'd be more likely to find me out in the woods building a fort than you would be finding me playing with Barbies. And I think that's carried through into adulthood. Uh, I went to college in Indiana, and then me and my husband moved out to San Diego. But still to this day, we go hiking, we go camping, and we always just love to go and get back to it all. Uh, I guess you could say that we're really um, adventure seekers. We just love to go and see what everything has to offer and visit things that are kind of off the beaten trail. Ultimately, I mean, we just, I don't know, we try to just live life, and I think I try to show that in my artwork as well. Well, actually, what was it that uh, drew you into art? As a kid, I loved to draw, and people would tell me, uh, you're really good at drawing or you're very creative, and... I think for me it was just a great form of expression. I was just, I thought other people's pictures were beautiful and I enjoyed doing it. But since I seemed to have some talent, my family wanted me to take art lessons. So I started taking, you know, private art lessons and started going to like Saturday art classes and I just continued it. And the funny thing is, is that when I was a kid, I honestly never thought it would be a career. I knew that art was hard to actually make any money in and I didn't want to just deal with that struggle. Instead, I wanted to go and be a vet. And it's, and I just ended up, like, leading full circle. And, you know, now I'm right back here. In high school, I realized that I was more drawn to art than I thought. And so I wanted to pursue it in college. And 
it was, like you said, in college where I found out about printmaking. And I think that's the thing that really, you know, ignited that fire and made me more passionate about it. I mean, I love to draw and I love painting, but for me, printmaking was the thing that really caught my attention. I felt like I could express myself best with it. Well, tell us about the the process that you use when you're creating your art. Well, my art, I call it printmaking uh, because that's what it is in its core. I guess you could also call it just illustrations. But uh, for me, an idea will come forth, and often it's from something that I see in the world, whether it be when we're in the city or if we're on a hiking trip. And then if I can, I'll take a photo right in that moment. For the most part, I use all my own photos just so I can have that connection and that control, and it's mine from start to finish. And then I'll do my sketches, and partially because of the way I was taught in college and partially because I just want to make sure it's just right. I'll do so many sketches just to make sure it's the correct cropping and the best line placement. And once I finally decide, I did final, I transfer over that sketch to the Linocut material and I carve out that stamp. And when it comes to my paper, if I use a backwash, which in some of my pieces I do, it's just acrylic paint that I turn into a wash, to give it more of a fluid and, I guess, kind of whimsical, dreamlike quality, I'll do that first. Then I ink and print my, or ink and press my print onto the paper. And whereas um, in most uh, prints with Lino cuts, you can use the actual machine press, I choose to hand burnish it. I'm capable of doing that, uh, especially since many of my prints are smaller. But I like doing that because it gives me a connection to it and I like having, I guess, that less mechanical feel. Since a print can be replicated so many times, I like having the possibility of just having a little bit more of a human touch to it. Then once the actual print is laid, if there's any linear or geometric figures, those will go over that next once all of that dries. And then the last thing I do is I go back in with pen and ink to really emphasize the areas that I want to be drawn out and to make sure the lines are very crisp and harsh and um, clean just to create that very, I guess, edgy and raw look uh, that I'm drawn to. And then the other thing is that with this pen and ink, since it is hand drawing, it does allow, I guess, room for error and room for flaw. But with my background in drawing, to me, I think that this is appealing. I like the idea that there can be beauty in flaws. And so even though there's a chance that something could not quite go 100% correctly, I like that idea of it. It makes it so that something that's so replicable is now unique. Well, that's very interesting that you say that. I know in speaking with several artists and doing this show, a lot of artists, it's it's not about perfection. They they want they believe that a little flaw um, adds adds to the piece, and I guess you agree with that. Yes, yes, I do. Um, for me, I don't. I just I think it makes it unique. I think it makes it special. There's so many prints out there, and I mean, even though they're all in the same series, each one is just slightly different. One may have a little bit harsher of a line here or there. One may have it where the wash is a more vibrant color in this corner versus the other. And 
I just I think that makes it special so that even though you're getting something that's you know been duplicated, you're kind of getting your own little unique I guess um, view of it. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, uh, on average, how long does it take you to come to your completed piece of art? Ah, uh, wow. Um, from start to finish, including the sketching process, for a smaller piece, I'd say probably around 40 hours. Um, I'm normally the type of person where I'll go and I'll work a few hours and I'll take a few hours of a break and I kind of jump back and forth and I'll often be working on a few projects at once so I don't get burnt out on one particular one. But I think that'd be a, a good average for those. Of course, if they're bigger, it's going to take me a lot longer and if they're smaller, I might be able to whip them out a little bit quicker. You mentioned earlier that uh, when you first thought about being an artist or you'd said that you knew it was a tough way to make a living, uh, but you came back to it. So has it been as tough as you thought it would be? Uh, in some ways, yes. And in other ways, I guess it's just more about um, learning, and it's a process of learning and, like, you know, just kind of finding your way, and there's things that you wouldn't have thought of, you know, from the beginning. I think the hardest part is just getting exposure. There's so many people in the world, and there's so many artists, and, you know, I mean, I've people have seen my work, and they, they say they like it, but it's just hard to get it out there to everyone, especially, um, you know, with moving and just, you know, being around other artists and everything. It's just, it's difficult to get people to see your thing. But I honestly, I find that the best thing you can do for that is just to keep trying. Every opportunity there is just to keep you know, pushing forward and, you know, working towards that in hopes that, you know, the right person will see it or that it will be your break. And so even though if it's hard, I just, I personally feel that it's worth it if it's something that you really, really like. Well, I know here at Contemporary Art Gallery, we were very impressed uh, when you submitted uh, your application with your artwork. Uh, I We believe it's very unique and, and has a... Uh, just a wonderful spirit to it. Thank you for that. And I've dabbled in quite a few different styles. And um, originally, I never really went towards the, I guess, the environmental side of things, just because it seemed like it was, you know, a old record that's been played so many times. But it's just, it's the one topic that keeps drawing me back. And so after a certain amount of time of looking into other things, I just, I finally, you know, went with that path, and I'm glad I did just because I feel that my work is stronger now than it's ever been before. Tell me, Ashley, is there any artist or a person that has been a huge influence on you and your artwork? Stylistically, um, I guess Alphonse Mucha. His work, I love his subject matter and how whimsical it is, and his line quality, it's everything is so defined and so crisp, but yet because of the dimensions of the lines, it all appears so lightweight and just dreamlike. And I love that about it. And then, of course, he uses botanicals and the human form, which I emulate similar things in my own work. And then the other artist, I guess, would be um, Kathy Colvitz, a printmaker, who all of her lines and her prints 
uh, are very, very harsh and raw and edgy, and it just it seems um, so undelicate for such a lady to be making. And I really love that kind of gritty characteristic of her work. And then I guess personally for me, inspirational-wise, um, a huge sport for me has always been obviously my family, even when I guess I changed interests um, on my career path from wanting to be a vet, you know, earning hundreds of thousands of dollars to being an artist. They were always supportive um, throughout all of that and through college. And, of course, my husband, who I regularly will bounce ideas off of or I'll go to him and I'll tell him, like, you have to be harsh. I'm like, what do you think of this? So I think, you know, both of those groups of people have been a huge inspirational influence upon me. I find that's true with most artists that uh, they certainly depend on the support of their family and their loved ones because uh, it is uh, it is it is tough and I and I bet I'm gonna well I'll ask you this question because I, I find a lot of artists uh, I do get generally the same answer. Uh, are you your worst critic? I think so. Um, I know I, for the most part, I will, like, want, I mean, close to perfection. And I'll just keep going over it and over it and over it. And I don't know, sometimes I'll see my work and I'm like, nope, it's not, it's just not how it's supposed to be. It's not right. And at the same time, uh, I'm a person who works so much in my head that I'll know what I want to convey and sometimes I'll get stuck where it's the transition between my head and on paper and how that's actually being read by the viewer. And so I think that's an area I specifically, you know, rely on other people's critiques because I know what I'm seeing and I know what I intend, but I like to hear what they're actually seeing, you know. What I'm putting forth is actually coming across how it's intended to. Otherwise, I would say I'm most definitely probably my harshest critic. Well, tell me, Ashley, where do you get the inspiration uh, or how do you get your inspiration for your work? For the most part, it's really just like the world around us and everything that I see. Um, I think I feel most at home when I'm miles away from anyone, when we're hiking on a mountain and we don't run into anyone for like six hours. And it's in these places that I see such beautiful things that I don't think man could ever replicate, no matter their technology. It's just it's something that's wondrous. The, when we went to the Grand Canyon um, for the first time this past year, I, every time we saw it, no matter how many miles we were hiking past it, it just seemed marvelous and it seemed incredible. And it's in areas like this that I guess I get my inspiration because I feel like they deserve acknowledgement in our world. Our world's ever-changing, but yet there are these everlasting things out there that people can so easily overlook or just forget about and I just I feel like they deserve acknowledgement to immediately I'm of course taking pictures and coming up with ideas and such and I guess the other um, area of inspiration that I get for my work a lot of my pieces will incorporate I guess um, animals like uh, animals in nature like fox and deer doing very humanistic like things or having I guess a humanistic like quality and I'll look at our dog, who he looks like a fox, and I'll see him and his very charming, aloof behavior, 
and it often comes across as being more human than that of which some of humanity presents. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I don't know, it kind of creates a story. And I've kind of developed this character by using him anatomically and his behavior as the main uh, feature in it. And it just always spins up new ideas from that. And, of course, I guess the last thing is uh, I love dystopias, whether they be books or movies. So if there is really one that gets my, you know, gets me thinking and just is very stunning, it'll get my wheels turning to where I'll apply it to other things that I'm seeing in the world. And it'll just start spinning up ideas and, you know, take out a few sketches and we'll see where it goes from there. Well, it was, uh, I wasn't surprised when you said that uh, you thought about becoming a vet because then looking at your art and and the way you speak of Bentley, I knew that <laughs> you were an animal lover. <laughs> so. Very much so. Um, I absolutely am in love with all of them, depend, you know, regardless of whether they're, you know, domesticated or wild. And... Honestly, um, I went and I volunteered for a few years, and it was just in a small town, but it wasn't, I guess, as dramatic as the uh, TV shows on Animal Planet make it look, and I kind of got bored with the constant de-fleeing and spaying and neutering, and I kept putting myself more drawn to the conservation, the preservation side of it than actually the medical room, and I still find it very intriguing just not as an everyday job. Well, they didn't light your fire. By no, they did not. Well, what is, uh, we have a few minutes before we do a commercial break, what is your favorite uh, piece of art that you've created? Oh, hmm. I think one of my all-time favorites um, is a piece by the title Hard Edges, Soft Stories. And it was one of the first ones I actually created it's a woodcut, and it's of this um, this tree on, the, like, the right-hand side of the page, and then there's the grass growing. But it looks as if the roots that you can see, it almost looks like they're kind of bleeding down, and there's a line, like, that's cut out throughout it. And for me, I drew this tree, and there's a line going through it that definitively cuts this tree in half. Yeah, it's, you know, it's still standing. For me, it was just the idea of something that's been growing and it's, you know, mature and it's everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, something changes. All of a sudden, it's just not there. Something's just completely interrupted everything that it is. And I try to represent that both in the tree and then there's a space in the ground that's just ripped away. And I love this piece just because it was one of the pieces where I first, like, I saw it after I got done, and I was like, wow, this is really the area that I want to go into. And it really, I think, is a good representation of my style and that raw and harsh lines that I like so much. And I think the other thing I love about this piece so much is that I know what I intended with it, but when I see other people and they look into it, it can be read so many different ways. And I know people who look at it and they just think it's pretty. And if that's all they want to look into it, that's fine. But I know people who can see so many different things in a piece, and I like it when pieces can do that. It doesn't have to, you know, 
be so blatantly obvious. I like it when it has a little bit more depth to it. And so for me, I always I think I look back into this piece and kind of draw on to it or inspiration for other pieces and the same feeling that I got from that and transposing it to other pieces I'm currently working on. Well, I find that uh, is true, especially with abstract art, but, you know, it also covers, uh, you know, other mediums that, you know, the artist may have a message that's that's in their their artwork, but different people or will read different things or see different things in the artwork. And I always find that very intriguing how, uh, you know, people can look at the same piece of art and, and get, get something out of it and yet also think that's that's good too, that, that people, you know, see things that maybe even the artist didn't see. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, my, um, my friend have looked at this piece and her and I were talking about things and she pointed out things in it that, like, I I guess I'd, I'd done, but I never really thought of. And so when I'm in my action of creating it, it was more of a subconscious action. And I always think that's intriguing how sometimes it ends up in um, my own work. There'll be pieces, there'll be things that are supportive of what I was thinking, but I won't even realize I had put them in there. Well, let's take a short commercial break here, Ashley, and let our viewers know that they can view and purchase Ashley Peters' artwork by going to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, click on the Artist tab, and then on Ashley's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants today. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, please visit us at contemporaryartgalleryonline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form. And again, to view Ashley Peters' stunning artwork and to re-listen to this interview and, of course, purchase some of Ashley's great work, please click on the Artist tab and then on Ashley's name. Well, I have to tell you, my favorite piece is Before the Descent. Tell us about your inspiration for that? I love picking um, images where it is that moment, that pause of a moment before something really dramatic is going to happen, like the absolute climax when time stands still. And for me, um, this piece, I had actually, I, I love the imagery of foxes. I think that they are absolutely stunning, and yet, in so many images and media, they're used as this deceptively cunning creature. And for that piece, I had taken actually my dog out to the park, in which case he did a super jump like a fox and landed on a field mouse. And I, if there was something about that moment that was just was shocking. But it made me think, and it made me think about in that arc, how if you don't see the ground, you don't know necessarily what they're coming down to. Is it a reward? I guess in their case, you know, like a field mouse or whatever they're going for. Or could it be potentially something bad? Could it be a hole? Could it be a trap? And it's just that arc of a moment where you don't know what lies next. And I think that's relatable to people when they are, you know, making their own decisions. Especially if you can't see where you're going on things, just 
that, I guess, that unknown and that moment in that decision, just the breath before the action. Sometimes that's referred to as a leap of faith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you don't know what's going to happen. Well, it is a beautiful piece of piece of art, actually. I, that's one of my favorites. Uh, I was wondering, is there an artist that um, you feel your work is similar to? Um, I guess the three, I would have to say. Um, I mentioned earlier that Alphonse Nisa was an inspiration, and I can see elements of both his linear quality and his use of botanical and human figures um, in his work, as in mine. Um, his work always concentrated on the female form, as does mine. And it's funny because I've I've drawn the male form. It's just whenever I go back and I'm doing this very natural, um, and I just whimsical, natural, kind of like a Mother Earth thing going on, I, I just I always go back to the female form. I feel like it's so much more relatable to anything um, geographical. And then um, Gustav Klimt, his geometric forms and his airy, dreamlike quality is something that I try to emulate in mine, where you can see shapes, but because of the layers and the textures of the washes, it's a bit ambiguous. And I think it's something that he achieves, achieves greatly, and I love to do so as well. And then finally, the other artist that I had mentioned briefly before was Kathy Colbitz. Um, her prints are so harsh and so raw and just very black and white. And there's, you know, there's no gray zone. I think something about that is admiring. Uh, I personally love graphic novels, and I feel like she is one of the closest artists to, like, I mean, artists in a museum-wise that is close to something such as like a graphic novel. And so I try to emulate those same type of harsh, crisp, um, just purely black lines that she's able to create. Well, and and that certainly is displayed in your artwork. Uh, Another piece that I like is called Gone. Tell tell the audience about that piece of work and your inspiration for it. That piece uh, was another woodcut, and that one I had done later on, but that one, uh, the inspiration came from, there was, during college, there was a field across from our college, and there was this great big tree, it looked like the tree of life, and they were going to tear it down for a football stadium, even though we had a perfectly good one, and me and my friends were talking about this, and like the weekend before they were supposed to tear it down, we went out there and we like you know, flew kites and stuff. And we were just talking about how you always did that when you were a kid and how it's such a great memory to go out and to do something like that, you know, with the worm, like just on the break of summer air. And it was kind of nostalgic. And I guess this piece specifically, I was starting to look at the idea of the process of change and how in the process of change you lose things sometimes. And all you have left of it is a fleeting memory and how indirectly that causes these memories to become so dear. So I wanted to capture the essence of just that very warm and um, genuine and innocent memory and have a little bit of nostalgia in it while at the same time where the roots 
and it looks like the plants are just kind of being drugged down for the rest of the frame, in there there's hidden words, um, such as gone and away, and it's just, it creates it so that even though it's a very sweet and nostalgic print, there is an ominous tone that is creeping in, and you don't necessarily know what it is, but there's something else there. So actually, does most of your artwork or all of your artwork have uh, a message or a theme that you're trying to convey? Uh, for the most part, I would say yes. Um, I guess that my message ultimately is about change. Change happens every single day around us, and you really can't stop that process. And sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it uh, it ruins things or it leaves things behind in its wake. And to me, my work is a tad nostalgic, and there's a little bit of preservation in there. And ultimately, I think I want my work to just to raise an awareness of what's happening in the world before you're too far down that road of change to you know that you chose to undo the decision or to bring back what may have been lost. Ultimately, I'm I'm not saying you know go and save this tree or don't do this or, you know, you should do this. But it's just to be aware and to be conscious because I truly think that there's so much going on that people don't realize until it's too late and then they miss it and then they're nostalgic when they should have been that way when they actually could have done something. Well, I agree. And I, my, uh, I like old buildings and you get into some of these cities um, and you see these great, I think they're great, old buildings. And, you know, developers are tearing them down to build, you know, more contemporary-looking buildings. And But I think the a lot of those turn-of-the-century and even older buildings had so much character. Uh, and, and I just, that makes me sad to see those go when they do leave. It is. It's incredibly sad. That's I love it when places will take an old building and they'll redo the inside a little bit, but they'll still li- leave all the architectural details intact. I guess it's it's kind of like a respect for the past. And I, like I I mean the iPad and all the Nook and all that it's great. It's convenient, but to me nothing will ever replace the musty smelling book from you know the 1960s. And I just I think people forget that, and then one day they're going to, you know, wish they had it, but it's not going to exist anymore. Well, and I agree, and I, and I do. I've seen those buildings uh, that they've remodeled and, and kept the, a lot of the the fixtures and stuff, and, and those are gorgeous, and I do like to see that. But you're right, too, in the environment. I, I notice in your work the uh, environment has a lot of impact in your work and, and certainly uh, change and progress. Sometimes we lose things through that. Yes, exactly. Um, most of my work does in some way reflect something about the environment, whether it be the actual botanical structures or the its inhabitants. I just... Personally, I feel that um, people are so often focused on progress, and we should be, but I feel like they often overlook the consequences of everything else that it's affecting. Yes, we need, you know, more fuel, and we 
need more housing and everything. But if you use up all of your resources because you're not thinking, um, I guess, about what it's going to be in the next 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to be out of luck eventually. And it's very hard to go back from that. Everyone always, you know, draws attention when all the tigers are, you know, extinct. And they're so sad. But no one was sad when they were shooting them for a rug. And a lot of my work does go back to that. I guess because of the area I grew up in and the fact that my husband and I love to go hiking and camping, when we're out there in there and there's no one for a good 20 miles, everything just seems so incredibly peaceful. And I think people forget that. And I think it's something that needs to be protected. I mean, both the, I mean, the inhabitants and the actual you know, area itself. And I think far too often it's not. It's just bulldozed over because it's just another mountain or there's other trees elsewhere. Well, I agree. And as, you know, and I've seen in my lifetime, you know, towns that for whatever reason, you know, went through a growth spurt and, you know, you see all the familiar landmarks and and the nature that I remembered as a child are all gone. Been swallowed up by homes and shopping centers and streets, and <laughs> and it does make nostalgia for the the times past. But you're right too. You know we have to have progress. Or just some sometimes you wish it was a better balance. Exactly. I think that ultimately is it. That, like I said, change is unstoppable. Change is going to happen, and I think change should be embraced. But I think that there's a responsible and respectful manner of which it needs to be done. And I think there are those individuals out there who are really looking into things like that. And then I think there are those out there who just want the quickest, easiest result that will give them whatever they want right now. Well, actually, on your art, uh, you do tell us, tell the audience a little bit about about your art overall, the um, various sizes, uh, any different mediums that you may use? Uh, my art is created um, either on a white print paper that's very, um, just very crisp, it's very thin, it's very crisp, or it's created on a recycled paper where it's normally a um, kind of an off-cream color, but it still has actual natural fragments in it. So each piece of paper is slightly different. Like one piece may have a little remnants of, I guess, bark, in it and the other ones won't, which I guess I kind of use that um, and it creates it creates kind of a connection between the actual material being used and then what the piece is about. Uh, someone once told me they said it was kind of satirically ironic, but I, don't know, I think it's kind of a beautiful connection. And then um, I use the printmaking inks, which are thicker than other paints and such, and I also use acrylic paints but instead of using it like as it is, I'll create it into a wash. And I'll use that um, often for the backgrounds, and I'll do it in layers so that certain layers may be more vibrant than others, and it creates different layers of transparency and such. And it's just it's very organic and very whimsical. Um, and then as for my sizes, they... Uh, there's quite a range. They range anywhere from approximately like three by five inches 
to approximately like a foot and a half by two and a half feet. Typically, uh, I work in a one to three ratio. It was something I had stumbled upon during college when studying Greek architecture, and I fell in love with it. There's something about that ratio that I just think is very, very beautiful. I don't, I don't think you'll honestly ever find me where the center of the print is a perfect like one-to-one ratio. For the most part, uh, most of my prints are, I'd say about eight by ten or smaller. I like petite work. I think it makes it intimate, and I think if you really want to know what it's about, you have to get really close to it. And it just it kind of makes you think and it makes you look. And the other reason why I like pieces that are more petite was when I went to college, so many people did these massive paintings, like the size of a whole wall. And it would be very impressive and, you know, amazing. But in all honesty, what are you going to do with a massive painting the size of a whole wall? Not everyone has, you know, that big of a living room where they can display all that. And so practically for me, I think the smaller work, I think it's more practical, but I think it's more intimate. I think it's more relatable. Right. Well, I agree. I, I, My wife is a big Monet fan, and we had the opportunity uh, a few years ago to be in France and, and go to his home and see his gardens and, and the studio. And, of course, he painted some of the, the lily pond paintings. Or Some of those are just huge. <laughs> those are nice, but what do you do with those other than take them to a museum? It's not it's not a piece of art that the average person could could put in their home. Exactly. And I guess because of the way I live, I think about more so I guess like where the average person would put something like this. Like how would this fit in your home? You know, and how would this work? So well, actually, we're getting at the end of the show, and the final question I always like to ask our artists is any advice that you have for any artist uh, that's just beginning their professional career? Um, I guess I just have two pieces. The first is just to be true to yourself, to make your artwork for something that you really care about and that you really believe in, because otherwise it's transparent and it's evident that it's not something that your whole heart is into. So just don't jump on whatever the hottest cause of today is, whatever that bandwagon is, because it won't be as good as what it, you know your work can be. And eventually, you most likely will circle back around to what you should have been doing the entire time. And the other piece of advice is that being an artist takes a lot of grunt work. You have to work all the shows and lug your work everywhere and constantly be putting in submissions and, you know, calling people and following up on, you know, your portfolio and everything else. But just you have to be a workhorse, and it's important to enter into every opportunity, no matter how small they may seem or how far away it is, because if you keep trying, you will eventually be noticed. And there will be a breakthrough. It just takes a lot of time and hard work and grunt work, but it makes it all that sweeter in the end. Oh, I agree. I, it is uh, the business part of art is not easy, um, and that is generally it's just persistence and hard work. Agreed. It's it's um it's a lot of going to door to doors and just keep trying but 
If you're persistent, it'll pay off. Well, Ashley, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, and it's been a pleasure to have you, or it is our pleasure to have you as an artist on Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Uh, we're just excited to, to be able to showcase your art. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, remind you to view Ashley's stunning artwork and to re-listen to this interview and, of course, purchase some of Ashley's great art. Please click on the Artist tab and then on Ashley's name. I would like to inform everyone that Contemporary Art Gallery Online has launched a monthly art competition. To compete, go to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Art Competition tab for additional information. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form. An Artist Speaks is currently airing every other Saturday, so we will meet again in two weeks. Thank you for joining us today and have a great rest of your weekend.